Good morning, everybody. Nikki Burnett here, Tastes Like Nutrition Radio, streaming live on KUHSDenver.com. Um, and today we're going to go really, really deep. Uh, you know, there's so much confusion around gluten and what's real, what's not real, what is it that makes it healthy or unhealthy. What are the dirty details? Because um, I see this in practice every day. Uh, I see people coming to me saying gluten's not a big deal, or why is it a big deal, or I don't have an understanding of what the, what the big deal is. And what we want to do here is to bring you the truth. We want to bring you facts. We want to bring you evidence-based data so you have the tools and the information to, to take hold of it and do what you need to do for your own health, for the health of your family, for the health of your friends. Um, because I think what we're going to find is that gluten is much more of an insult on our systems than maybe a lot of us realize, which is why I really want to dig into the data. I want, to sh I want you to have the, the stats and the numbers because there's still this huge misconception about gluten and what the details are and what the facts are. And so that's what we want to talk about. And so here, Taste Life Nutrition Radio, that's what we want to do. Uh, we are streaming live on KUHS Denver every week, Thursday, 10 a.m. So always join us where we bring you uh, the best in truth in health care uh, as possible. Healthcare is physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, relational, financial, it's all of the things. And uh, we want to, to bring you the tools, the people, the resources, all the things to help you uh, do your best, be your best, live large, and give your best. So, um, but as always, we start the show with gratitude. Uh, I truly believe gratitude can change the world. And if we were to take a step back and think about, you know, who we are, what we feel, what we believe, and think about, you know, the people you're surrounded by. Think about their energy. Energy is a real thing, but think about how they make you feel. Do they make you feel good? Or do they make you kind of feel, you know, that little bit of a, maybe a knot in your stomach, right? Sometimes I can get that feeling when I'm around people. What is that telling us? It's telling us maybe those are people that we um, maybe ha need to have a little bit of distance from, right? And so I think that, uh, you know, we have to pick and choose the people we're surrounded by. But if we, if we choose ourselves to live in gratitude um, and surround ourselves by people who live in gratitude, what are we going to do? Those people who maybe are a little negative, we can start to, to bring that to them, right? We can rub off on them, for lack of a better word, and then we can all start living in gratitude. And it's amazing because it brings us up to a different level. It ups our mental and emotional state. It's, it's so good. So I try to do this every day. So today, gratitude, what I'm grateful for is uh, my clients. I have... Um, some of those, the most hardworking, amazing clients who, who often come to me in a really, can come to me in a really negative space, right? Because it's hard when you don't feel good. It's hard when things don't, when things are, um, well, when things hurt, right? So whether they hurt mentally or physically or emotionally, all of these things, we have traumas in our, in our, in our history or maybe currently um, and so I the, the clients who come to me often are hurting physically but they're also hurting mentally and emotionally um, you know my area of expertise is is obviously the physical but we can help they're connected right we need to remember that everything is connected um, and if we are you know, when we take that first step, sometimes it's just that first step forward to get us out of this hole that we've been stuck in. Um, and so anyway, all of that to be said is that I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for them. I'm grateful for their hard work. I'm grateful that they came to me because I know why I've been put here, right? Um, I think it, it's, it's a blessing what I get to do every day to help people get out of that hole, to stop being in pain, to stop feeling bad, to go and do what they're meant to do. I mean, it's a gift, it truly is. So um, anyway, that's 
definitely what I'm grateful for today. Um, I find myself, uh, as I go through my prayer time, often thinking about my clients and, you know, saying prayers for them um, and just watching, you know, watching them blossom. It's, it's magical. It really is. Uh, it's so good. Okay, I'll stop. <laughs> it's just, just really beautiful. So we have, we, so what, what I know is that when I talk about gluten, I can never go deep with it because I don't have the time. Um, and some of it is, is, you know, I have notes here on things. I'm like, holy smokes, this is amazing stuff. Uh, and amazing, not in a good way. <laughs> because these are things that, that, you know, when we go deep, it helps us to understand the, the reason behind why we're told gluten is dangerous. And is all gluten dangerous? I don't know. I, I mean, I would say no, it's not. But we got to know the differences. And we got to understand the differences in what we're eating. We got to understand the, what our body's telling us. We've got to understand, um, you know, what to look for when we do have symptoms and why, because what, what we find in conventional medicine is the testing, especially for gluten sensitivity and, and celiac disease is inefficient um, and doesn't give us the whole story. And then so there are things that can be missed. So I wanna dig into all of this because I think that it is, is key for a lot of people who are out there struggling with the physical, the mental, emotional, symptoms that you you're that you can't figure out why they persist you're doing all of the things whether it's drugs or naturopathic stuff you're you're detoxing you're you know all of the things and then you're frustrated and you're frustrated and you're frustrated again i i feel it because i feel it for my clients all the time and again when those light bulbs go off and we start to realize uh, uh, the things that are affecting our body and then know that we have the ability to to make the choices of keeping them in or taking them out, right? It's all a choice. Then, um, you know, that's, that's the stuff. That's golden. It's golden when you know you have the ability to affect your body in a positive manner. And if you decide to affect your body in a negative manner, that's okay too, right? Because you, we learn our lessons and are like, I wanted it and it felt awful and now I don't want it anymore. <laughs> it happens. It's great. You know, some of the best light bulb moments are when my clients come to me and they're like, I cheated. I'm like, there's really no cheating. You made a decision. It's fine. But it's that, that beautiful moment where they're like, I ate this. I realized how terrible I felt, whether it's brain fog or joint pain or gut yuck, right? Um, or, you know, memory issues, whatever the case may be. And they realize that that's, that's the thing. Or maybe there are a couple of things or a few things, but you, you start to know it so you know how to make good decisions. That's what life is about, being able to have the tools to make the good decisions and the knowledge, right? So when we dig into gluten, what we have here in the United States is gluten that has been messed with, messed with to such an extent that it's not recognizable by the body. So it has been hybridized to change the gluten molecule. And if it's changed just 5%, so the gluten that we have here in the States, it's our everyday gluten, has been changed around 5%. And it's enough for the body to start going, what did you just do? What am, I, what am I dealing with? I don't know how to deal with it. And when we do that enough, the body's just gonna get mad, right? And you're gonna start to hear the knock, right? It's the knock on the door, as I always say. That knock on the door is, is joint pain, or it's gut dysfunction, or it's memory issues, or it's brain fog, all the things that we talk about, right? It's knocking on the door saying, I can't do this anymore, and I need you to jump in and give me some guidance and give me some help uh, because I, this, this, you know, we're, at this point we're just going downhill. And it can start with a little headache, right? It can start with a little finger ache. I don't know. We can start with these small things, but you keep adding insult to the body, it's going to start talking louder and louder and louder, and it will start screaming at you, right? So screaming at you autoimmune diseases. Um, you know, any other, you know, chronic issues that we deal with, it's going to continue to scream. So um, one of the things that is 
super important, I think one of the best ways to start off this conversation is the fact that there's no single protein more potent of a trigger of neurological dysfunction and neurological autoimmune, uh, autoimmune disease. Take that. There's nothing else in our food world as potent as gluten in contributing to autoimmune conditions, I'm sorry, neurological dysfunction and neurological disease. So if we peel that onion a little bit, when we think about gluten sensitivity, when we think about um, uh, celiac disease, what, we're, what, we, what we typically think of is gut dysfunction, right? We think about pain, we think about bloating, we think about, you know, with celiac, people lose weight because they're unable to absorb their nutrients. And so this, hey, hey, Hallie, um, they're unable to absorb their nutrients. And so we always go to the gut. But this changes our perspective a little bit, right? When it's that much of, a, of a, an issue with our neurological health, and we're not having gut dysfunction, so we, we go back, like we're eating bread, like I'm not sensitive to gluten because I don't have any issues like that. But the issues I do have are uh, foggy brain, and I, I can't think properly, and well, I've been diagnosed with, you know, whatever cognitive type of issue you might have been diagnosed with, right? Is that a, is that a problem with gluten? I think it's, it is without a doubt worth considering, and if it, is so if you have been diagnosed with with something as important as neurological dysfunction you should just get rid of gluten period anyway we'll talk about testing because testing is important we want we want to know these things but when you're dealing with chronic disease gluten is inflammatory our, glu our gluten here in the states and i'll talk about that but gluten is inflammatory get it out of your diet and i'm not talking about a little bit, I'm not talking about mostly, I'm not talking about 99%, it has to be 100% out of your diet because it will take you backwards. Without a doubt, you put, like, the body is so amazingly smart and beautiful. You eat a bite, you eat a crumb, the body's gonna respond to it and it's gonna not gonna respond positively. And so what can happen is if you've made progress, made progress, made progress, and you decide, okay, I've made enough progress, and now I'm gonna give this a try, what's gonna happen? You could go backwards for months. I've seen it, I've seen it. So there, there are very few things that I think are, are truly black and white um, and, and, and just so little gray. I mean, there's a lot of gray in the world and there's a lot of, you know, um, people ask me a question and I'm like, it depends, right? So there's a lot of gray. Gluten, there's very little gray, especially in chronic disease and especially in autoimmune disease. So, um, the increase in sensitivities in the United States is rising like mad. So it's interesting because we can look at an epigenetic variant panel and we can see the potential for gluten sensitivity. Now, the potential doesn't mean that you're gonna have gluten sensitivity um, and or the, the variants don't mean you're gonna have it, but not having the variants don't mean that you're not gonna have sensitivity. We can also look at, at, at variants and see if you have uh, the potential for autoimmune disease. Um, so what's really fun is when we can look at those variants and we, we address the situation prior to all the things that can happen. Um, and so we're mitigating, we're, we're essentially creating our future. It's amazing. I mean, how cool is that? We have the ability to create our own future when we have the tools and the knowledge and the understanding. So quick story, I wasn't, it's, it's kind of a long story, but um, it's an amazing story. I think I've told it before. Anyway, point is, <laughs> I get all wound up and excited, it's good stuff. So I had a client, 18, who was uh, 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 anxiety, depression, she was 90 pounds at 5'9", right? Uh, she, was, she was young and you know, suicidal and all of these things, like pimples on her face, that you know, kids shouldn't be dealing with, right? And she couldn't figure out what was going on. So essentially what we did uh, is we, we got rid of the top five gluten, uh, or, I'm sorry, top five most sensitivity causing foods and ran labs and, and ran her epigenetic panel as well. And so what we saw is, well, let me back up. We 
remove these foods while we're, we're get, waiting for the results for panel. So it's usually about two weeks before we can get all these results in. So um, during that time though, she cut out these five things, her world changed, totally flipped. Um, and this is the beauty of food because when we understand food and what it's doing, what it can do both negatively and positively, then we have the power to understand how to impact our bodies negatively and positively. And so understanding what was creating such a problem with her and gluten was, a, it was the, the biggest piece, it wasn't the only piece, but it, it literally changed her world. And so with, with that, then we got her labs back. We certainly had work to do. She was not absorbing her nutrients, but she was, uh, she had variants for uh, gluten sensitivity and she had variants for autoimmune disease. So talk about creating your own future. We, we hopefully halted in its tracks the autoimmune conditions that might have plagued her for life. And that's not a way to live, right? So if we can do that, I mean, it's the best, it's the best story. She's out, she's now a nutritionist too, which is, you know, these things are truly life changing. Uh, again, just it's, it's magical. So um, understanding our bodies and what, what's going on. And so um, we talked about hybridization a bit. Deamidation is interesting because this is what, what food processing does to make gluten water soluble. Um, and, and so this is, you know, what you're going to find in, you know, processed foods and that kind of thing. So there's a study sh that showed that people uh, don't react to native wheat, which is going to be heirloom wheat, heirloom grains, non-deamidated wheat, um, but they do react to deamidated wheat, which is an immune response, which is, uh, which, uh, is an antibody response, right? So... Remember when you're having symptoms, whatever the symptoms are, that symptoms are the body trying to tell us something. The symptoms, again, knocking on the door saying, hey, we need you to, to, to figure some stuff out because I can't do this on my own anymore. Um, the body's always trying to protect us. Think about, um, uh, you know, think about something as awful as Alzheimer's disease where these plaques develop. This is a protective mechanism it's gone haywire because we're not, we're not addressing whatever lifestyle factors and micronutrient deficiencies and all of these things that need to be addressed. But the body's always trying to protect us. And we need to, to, to remember to try to work with the body instead of trying to work against it. Um, and this oftentimes can go back to, uh, you know, drugs. So drugs have their place without a doubt situations, drug have their, have, drugs have their place. Even in chronic situations where we need to get some things under control first, absolutely have their place. But they're not, they're usually not a fix. And so we have to look at, at the other factors, our lifestyle factors, the food that we're eating, our stress, our history, all of these things to, to address symptoms, to address disease from the root cause, from the bottom up, right? Because if we don't address what's at the root, we're going way up here and this is still gonna be on fire down here. So it just doesn't, it doesn't work well. Um, so the most common area of non-intestinal manifest manifestation is the brain and nervous system. So again, go back to, let's get away from the gut for a bit, which is very important. Uh, but get away from gut symptoms and understand that if we're dealing with neurological symptoms, there's what's called uh, non-celiac gluten sensitivity, silent gluten sensitivity, extra intestinal manifest manifestation of gluten sensitivity. All of this stuff means is that we have either, uh, that we're having a gluten reaction, a gluten antibody reaction, and an immune reaction to gluten that is outside of the gut. So it can be skin, it can be all of the nervous system, including the brain, obviously, it can be joint. Um, and so there are different antibodies and antibody testing to understand if you do have gluten sensitivity and or celiac disease, what is it impacting? Because we can't just look at, look and see if it's impacting the gut, right? So celiac disease, what we know about it is it it hits the uh, hits the intestinal lining, and it it degrades it essentially. 
and so we're not we're not absorbing our nutrients and so that's if that's all we're testing for we're not seeing if gluten is attacking brain tissue right or synaptic tissue um okay so uh yeah just as i was saying people with gluten sensitivity uh may have silent uh, celiac disease right and so uh it's it's if it's a silent celiac disease, that means it's, it's attacking outside of the gut. This is interesting too, and I think it's very important for you uh, moms and dads out there, especially moms, because we have so many women who deal with Hashimoto's, uh, which is autoimmune thyroid disease. Um, a parent with Hashimoto's is gluten intolerant. Know that if you have Hashimoto's or any autoimmune disease, but if you have Hashimoto's where you're, you're, you have antibodies against your thyroid, thyroid and, and uh, thyroid hormones, then you, your body, you're, there, we're going to get into this in a minute, but there's what's called cross-reactivity or, uh, um, uh, I just lost my words, anyway, but cross-reactivity, molecular, uh, molecular mimicry. So they're kind of the same thing. But, um, the the thyroid sort of has this has has a similar uh, similar uh, makeup. The tissue, the body confuses the tissue and, and the hormones with um, with I'm sorry, my brain with gluten. So um, if you're eating gluten and you have Hashimoto's, then your body's going to continue to attack at a higher rate your thyroid. So your antibodies are going to go up and go up and go up and go up, right? And so if you are not, if you're not able to get your antibodies under control, you know, you got to think about your diet, right? You got to think about your lifestyle and know that if you have Hashimoto's and you're taking drugs for Hashimoto's, these drugs are not addressing immune response in most cases, right? Unless you're seeing somebody who looks at it from a functional perspective, drugs don't address the immune system dysfunction, they address the thyroid. When Hashimoto's is not a thyroid issue, the, the thyroid is being attacked, it's not a thyroid issue, it's immune dysfunction. So we have to look at it in a, dip, at a different perspective. So um, looking, uh, we've got to you know, take that step back and say, well, I don't need thyroid drugs, I need to understand my immune system and what's happening, okay? But point to all of that is that um, children with a parent with Hashimoto's are, who are gluten intolerant, because they are, create, uh, create children who are gluten intolerant, right? So what does that mean? It leads to more of a chance for your children to have autoimmunity as well. So this goes back to epigenetics, right? So epigenetics is, is, is you know, variants that impact uh, genetic expression. And when I talk about, you know, talk about, you know, like my soulful conception program, right? This is preparing the body for pregnancy for today, for tomorrow, for your children, and for hundreds of years ahead of us. Literally, we have the, the ability to impact hundreds of years ahead of us. So mom, if you have Hashimoto's, you got to avoid gluten because your kiddo is likely to have, have a gluten intolerance, right? Which can lead to autoimmune disease. Okay. Um, let's see. So studies have found associations between gluten sensitivity and disorders in every part of the nervous system. The brain, the spinal cord, the peripheral nerves that extend to the arms and the feet. So if you think about, um, you know, if they extend to, your, to the arms and the feet, um, think about, you know, any kind of nerve, nerve issues you're having down your arms and your feet, right? Neuropathies, things like that. Gluten can impact that and it likely is impacting that. Um, gluten destroys brain and nervous tissue more than any other tissue in the body, including the GI. This is huge, and I don't mean to just keep you know re reiterating this point, but I want to get away a little bit from just thinking gut because we got to think about all of the other uh, issues that that we deal with. Um, and let's see, let's move on to the rest of my notes. Um, okay, so I want to talk a little bit about, well, no, actually I want to kind of keep going on, on you know, sort of the, the, the neurological issues, because what can happen is 
when we eat gluten and we have a sensitivity or we have celiac disease or we have you know silent celiac disease this immune reaction that that we are dealing with can break down the blood-brain barrier so you hear me talking a lot about um, leaky gut and leaky gut is certainly an issue what we need to think about is our the epithelium is you know it's lined with cells that are so when I talk about the epithelium yeah the epithelium in the gut or the cardiovascular uh, uh, system or the, the brain right this is all protective they have cells that are super close together they're supposed to be you know really 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 tight and so what can happen is there is a I think it's a protein but it's a protein called zonulin goes up and it pulls the cells apart either from each other or it can actually split the cells this is not okay but what happens, this is a normal, natural process. Um, it happens in pregnancy. I think it happens in times of starvation. Uh, not a good thing, but it's, it's something that is a normal process in the body. But what can happen is in our world today where we've got drugs, uh, you know, pharmaceuticals, well, and drugs, um, and alcohol, and stress, and trauma, and you know, unhealthy foods, and unhealthy oils, and fats, and all of these things, the stress increases zonulin where zonulin is elevated uh, chronically so your gut is chronically leaky your cardiovascular system is chronically leaky your blood-brain barrier is chronically leaky right and so you know one thing I learned in school is if your guts on fire your brains on fire so and it and vice versa it's gonna happen if you're gonna have that inflammation whether it's low-grade or true chronic inflammation that is going to affect everything about your health. And so, um, let's see. Yeah, when there was a study that was done where patients who manifested with gluten sensitivity in the brain found only a third of them also suffered with GI issues. Again, it's a huge deal. So here are another couple of studies, Journal of Neurology, 10 participants with headaches, abnormalities in gait, or their, when they walk, uh, elevated anti and had elevated anti-gliadin antibodies seven had complete resolution of symptoms on a gluten-free diet remember this is a hundred percent gluten-free six of the ten of them had no GI issues all right so big deal and so another thing for us to to know is and maybe I've kind of already said this but you know so many people today are dealing with depression and anxiety and so uh, there can be a cross-reactive issue with an enzyme called GAD, which can cause um, anxiety symptoms. So going back, if you're dealing with anxiety, if you're dealing with migraines or headaches, any of these things, try getting rid of gluten. And I'll get more into this, but two weeks is not enough. Okay, that's all I'll say for now. Um, okay, let's see. So I want to read this list off to you because I think it's important uh, and it's kind of long, but these are things that, you know, I think, I think if you're dealing with this, I think that you need to hear it so you know that, that this is something that you, you might want to consider addressing. And so gluten has been shown to, to, uh, to be a significant trigger in psychiatric disorders, movement disorders, sensory ganglionopathy, ataxia, uh, general neurological impairment, neuromyelitis, multiple sclerosis, okay, again, all autoimmune conditions, neuropathy, myoclonus, apraxia, myopathy, neuromuscular disease, multiple symptoms, atrophy, cerebral, uh, cerebellar disease, migraines, hearing loss, cognitive impairment, dementia, restless leg syndrome, and disorders in virtually every part of the nervous system. <laughs> That's so much of what we're dealing with. Think about Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's. think about um, Parkinson's, think about all of these things. Now, there are many, many factors when you go into some of these amazingly chronic and scary diseases, right? But even if gluten is not a key factor, well, I think it probably is a key factor, there are lots of them, but the more stress we can take off the body when we're dealing with things like this, 
then the better our body is at repairing. So there may be a lot of things you need to address. And, and so I, going back to the, um, the, the black and white with autoimmune conditions, um, and I would put in there, you know, all chronic conditions, put in there Alzheimer's, put in there Parkinson's, all of these things that are, that are awful and scary, right? That gluten and dairy should never, ever be a part of your diet, ever. It is very black and white. And it sucks, right? I get it. It's not fun. It's kind of not fair, but it's sort of life. Um, and, and, and when you, again, going back to having the knowledge, you know how to make the decisions. But these things are so impactful. And, and just a little bit on dairy real quick. Conventional dairy is problematic, period. It's not a food. The body doesn't recognize it. The body doesn't break it down well. The body doesn't utilize it. It just causes mucus because the body's like, well, I don't know what to do with this. So here's a bunch of mucus to protect the body, to protect me, to protect you, right? That's what it's doing is trying to be protective. And so, you know, I hear all the time and it happens to me too, eating conventional dairy, I get snotty. Um, I cough, I sniff, you know, those are things that it happens. For me in particular, I don't have any autoimmune conditions, but I know conventional dairy does that to me, raw dairy does not. If you have an autoimmune condition, raw dairy is still not your friend. Stay away from it. 100% um, stay away from gluten and dairy. Okay, so um, I want to talk a little bit about labs because, you know, as I stated early on, is the labs that we have, I think especially in conventional medicine, are, are not complete for yeah they're just not complete they don't they don't look at all uh, all possibilities and that's what we need to understand um, you know I do I do a stool panel uh, a GI panel that I love and inside of this GI panel has a marker for gluten sensitivity but what I know about it it's a very general marker. It doesn't give me a lot of details. It can tell me, yes, the, the number is high, so there may be gluten sensitivity, but it's not telling me what it's impacting or affecting. It's not giving me the details. And so um, if somebody is going to refuse to give up gluten, then we need to run a panel that is a full uh, gluten panel on, on all of these antibodies so we know what's it, what it's impacting, and is it truly uh, celiac disease? Uh, is it sensitivity, but a sensitivity that is impacting the GI, or the brain, or the synapses, or the skin? You know, I can go on and on. So there are, I think what's important to you to understand about uh, gluten is, we call it gluten, but gluten's a very general, very broad term. Um, it's not just gluten, there's gluten and gliadin and um, glutenin. I mean, my understanding, so in, in the, one of the labs that I do, we look at 35 or so different gluten proteins that people have the potential to be sensitive to. I believe though, there's probably closer to 100. We don't test them because the sensitivity levels are, are lower, I think, we can only test them. Well, it's not true, we can test a lot, but point is we test about 35 of these so it's not just about gluten but there's also non-gluten sensitivity you know so you eat a piece of toast and there is something that is not gluten that is uh, that's potentially a sensitivity for you but what we want to look at when we're running a test is we want to and this is this is very again it's it's more targeted but it's a little more general because the test that I run that that looks at gluten sensitivity and, and wh what it's attacking is is pretty big test. But there is transglutaminase 2, which is cl classic celiac disease. So if a client comes to me and says, I've been tested for celiac disease and I don't have it, that's probably what's been tested. It's not enough. Okay, so we also have transglutaminase 3, which is for skin issues. So you've heard about, um, well, you might have heard about, but it's uh, dermatitis herpetiformis. It's like I have to read it so I say it right. Um, but that is, that can be from having celiac disease or is likely from celiac disease because this is the, the, the autoimmune or the, the antibodies are attacking skin tissues. Then you have uh, the transglutaminase 6, 
which is the nervous system, uh, when it's uh, attacking the nervous system. So if you are struggling with any kind of brain issue, any kind of brain issue, um, then you should be tested for all TG2, TJ, TG3, and TG6, transglutaminase, right? TG2, 3, and 6. Remember that. It's so important, okay? Um, there is, I was talking a little bit ago about this uh, really cool, although difficult, situation called cross-reactivity or molecular mimicry. This is pretty cool stuff because what, what happens is we have these proteins, which are chains of amino acids, that are um, all very, they can look very similar. And so when the autoimmune, when the system, when the immune system goes after tissue that it's not supposed to, or maybe goes after food that it's not supposed to, it's because these, 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 these chains of autoimmune, oh gosh, these chains of amino acids are so similar that, that the body gets confused. I'm gonna say this too, I don't think the body gets confused. I don't truly understand it, and I don't think that there's a really good understanding of this anyway, going back to the fact that the body is always trying to protect us. I say confused, and I say dysfunction, because I don't know that we really have another way of, of saying it, of talking about it, of understanding it, but always know that your body is incredibly smart. Is it confused? I don't think that that's the right term I'm saying it because that's kind of what we all say. Um, but there's there's more to it. There's a lot more to it. And I think there's a lot that we don't understand. Um, and certainly I'm not an immunologist. <laughs> but um, I think that the body is incredibly smart. So there's, there's more to it. But point to that. With cross-reactivity and molecular mimicry, we need to, to keep in mind that going gluten-free, only gluten-free, may not be enough. So we can have cross-reactivity to foods. So what those foods can be oats. Um, now, oats, oats are kind of wonky because oats can be manufactured in a gluten, uh, a gluten processing center, <laughs> and then it's just gonna be that it's been contaminated. Right, so if you if you want your oats, which I'm not a big fan, the, the more I learn, the more I'm like, are grains really our friend? I don't know. But oats can be contaminated. If you want oats, think about if you really want oats, they'll spike your blood sugar. But if you want oats, just you just gotta make sure that they're certified gluten-free. Um, but we have uh, sesame, dairy, coffee, other types of grains. Uh, these, all of these things have the potential of being cross-reactive. So if you take out gluten and you're not finding that you're, you're benefiting, don't go out and say, well, it's not the gluten. It can be cross-reactivity. It's the body, right? So this is, this is an interesting thing because there's a study that found that 50% of the patients with gluten sensitivity experienced only partial re re remission of symptoms because they had cross-reactivity to milk, okay? And so there are all these different uh, components of milk. We've got alpha casein, beta casein, casomorphine, and milk butyrophilin. You've probably not heard of this one. You might have, which is great. I had not until I had a client who came up cross-reactive to milk butyrophilin. Milk butyrophilin is a component in all milk across the board, human to camel to whatever, it's in all of it. So I had a client who came up positive to sensitivity to milk butyrophilin. If you're sensitive to milk butyrophilin, it attacks brain tissue. This is so important. I don't see it often, but it does happen. And, I'm, and I, I thank God I see her regularly, right? And I thank God all the time that she was open to looking at all of her potential issues and running all of these labs, which can be a difficult thing to do. It's, it's a lot. But she was open to really digging in and learning so she could live optimally, keep out the things that she's sensitive to. Because she is, she's, a, she's one of those bodies, she's sensitive to a lot of things. It really impacts her. And taking out that uh, milk butyrophilin, because she thought that she could do dairy. Um, and it, it was a game changer for her. It truly was. So I think about that. There's so much 
There's so many tests that we can do. It can be a little overwhelming. It also can get expensive, but we can gain a world of information to help you with, with these labs. It's fascinating. Um, and so what we want to think of too is when we're looking at going gluten-free for a period of time, you know, some people will tell you, yeah, go, go gluten-free for two weeks. It's not enough. It shows that, you know, when we're talking about intestinal permeability, it can take nine months or more to, to repair chronic intestinal permeability. Two weeks is not enough. And so if you're dealing with this chronic issue and you have intestinal permeability, which lots of us do who are dealing with chronic issues, there's that cross-reactivity issue. So two weeks of not gluten is not enough because you're still dealing with, with this, this intestinal permeability and other things that are, are cross-reactive. Um, so cross-reactivity cross can also lead to autoimmune issues with synapsin. Okay, so synapsin regulates neurotransmitter release, so it can cause issues with balance, vertigo, and mo motor control. I've heard lots of people, not, not lots, but recently a couple of people were like, I just I have vertigo and I don't know why. Take the gluten out. Take it out for a period of time. I'm, in my mind, it's six months. Um, can you notice that you might notice, can, you might notice a change earlier than that? Maybe, I hope so. Could it be that you've got to take other things out and understand what you're cross-reacting to? Yeah, of course. All right, so here's, here's, where, here's where people hate, right? And so it's, it's the going gluten-free part. It's not hard. It kind of stinks at first. You know, my own story, um, yes, I'm a nutritionist, but I love beer. I love good uh, uh, craft beer. I'm a big fan of big stouts. Um, you know, I love big beer. You know, it's kind of like my, my coffee or my food. You know, the more flavor in my, and, and good wine, right? The more flavor for me, the better. I'm like, yes, just bring it on, you know? And so that was what my husband and I would do periodically is we, you know, we moved here to Colorado. We're like, let's go to the brewery. Let's check out some new beer. Let's check out some new beer here. And we would, you know, taste test and compare. And it was just so much fun. And it was the thing that we did together. Um, we were both beer people before we came together. And so, um, you know, when we came together, I mean, I don't know if that's why he married me, but maybe. <laughs> so then, you know, I'm, I'm realizing and this was going on for years and I didn't know it, but I, I was, you know, constantly getting pimples and these little ones here on my chin and on here. And then it got to where they just got bigger and bigger and they would become cystic all around here. I still have little scars here from it. Um, but they were, they would last for months, even down like here. It was bizarre. What is going on? So I didn't put it together. I go to nutrition school. I still didn't put it together. And then I went, huh. I wonder what would happen if I figure, if I get rid of gluten. I got rid of gluten, and I bet it was two weeks, a month, every pimple that I had was gone. And they hurt, and they were ugly, and they were awful. <laughs> My poor husband is like, what is happening? But, you know, it stunk because it took away what one of the things that we love to do. But it's life, right? I would rather live well. And, well, and to back that up a little bit, if it's doing that, if it's expressing on the outside of my face, What's it doing to the inside? What kind of inflammatory response is it creating? Is it, what, is it impacting my brain? Is it impacting my synapses? What is happening, right? And so we gotta think about these things. And so going back to giving, giving it up, you know, it impacted part of what we did and part, part of what we enjoyed, but that's okay. It's life, we adjust, we move on. Um, and when, when you're one of those where it impacts your health in a very different way, your mental and emotional health, right? Once you realize that this is one of those things that, that you can mitigate, that you can eliminate, and it's gonna change your world, it, it becomes not such a big deal, right? The great thing too, I say it's great, I mean, there are so many gluten-free options. We have to be careful because just because it's gluten-free doesn't mean it's healthy. Just because it's gluten-free doesn't mean you're not going to react to some of the components because they're cross-reactive, right? But we have really amazing options today when it comes to gluten-free. And it's happening because so many of us are, are sensitive to gluten. 
uh, or across or as cross reactive components, right? So lots of great things out there, and lots of great things if you are dealing with autoimmune disease. Dig in a little bit because there are, you know, there are very specific things that need to be done to, in order to to bring autoimmune disease to a place that's manageable. Um, I have had clients who work their asses off, and their and their autoimmune disease, like ulcerative colitis, rheumatoid arthritis, uh, you know, the list goes on. These are kind of the main ones for me. Oh, Hashimoto's, but. I've also had clients who get to that point where they're like, okay, I feel fine now. I'm gonna have even just a bite, I just want a bite of the cake that's a regular cake. And what happens? They go backwards, they flare, they can't move, right? It's, it's no fun. So it's a learning lesson and that's okay, but knowing the impact that it's gonna have is huge. Celiac is not fun and it's not a good thing, but at least you know when you've been exposed because you have such such intense reactions to it, whereas when you're sensitive or you have, say, RA, sometimes we don't put that we had gluten to the flare that we had in our shoulder or our knee or our thumb or whatever the case might be, right? And sometimes it can take a little bit of time for it to flare. So um, taking it back, and understanding the impact that it's going to have is really important and knowing that it has to be 100%. It just does. Okay. Um, let's see. Oh, oh, sorry. I get kind of go all over the place. Um, just remember when it says gluten-free, look at the ingredients, understand the ingredients. Um, sorry, I'm losing my battery here. Understand the ingredients and, and know that no matter what, you need to feed yourself. This is about feeding yourself. It's not about just putting food in your belly. The, the nutrients within food are what tell our body what to do, good and bad. And so good, healthy food is gonna give our body good direction. So feeding ourselves nutrient-dense food is key to, to, to living a healthy life, yes, but to uh, managing autoimmune conditions and other chronic diseases, okay? So let's see, what else? Uh, yeah, one of the things that I wrote here, and it's not, you know, I think it's just to reiterate that just a bite, just a bite really can take you backwards uh, for months. I've seen it, months. It's not fun. <clears throat> there's a, there's, so we're talking about transglutaminase. Um, so transglutaminase is an enzyme, it, uh, you know, we've got the two, three, and six in the body. Um, but transglutaminase is also an enzyme used in the food industry. So this is interesting. So it's used to tenderize meat, and it's, oh, it's so gross to me. But it's also used to, it's like a glue to hold processed meat together. It's disgusting, don't, just don't eat processed meat. I mean, it, talk about inflammatory. It's a huge problem. Um, but people with positive transglutaminase, whether it's two, three, or six, may also react to these foods. So this is another reason why you just stay away from unhealthy processed foods, not doing you any favors. It can create an autoimmune reaction. It can create an inflammatory response. It's just not good. Plus, most um, most of these types of meats that look like this, like um, think chicken nuggets and stuff like that, um, they they are full of nitrates. Nitrites. You heat nitrates and nitrites, they become a carcinogen. They convert into they they convert into nitrosamines. Huge problem. Carcinogenic. So it's like this multiple whammy, right? <laughs> Lots of whammies that you don't want to deal with. So um, let's talk a little bit about non-gluten proteins. So a lot of us at this point have probably heard about lectins. Um, and, you know, I, I want to talk about this because lectins are in a lot of foods. They're called anti-nutrients. They are protective nutrients in the plants, and some people are really sensitive to them. We can test for it, which is super cool, right? We can test to see if we're sensitive to them. Um, but I get the question a lot of times with um, things like Ezekiel bread. I like what they're trying to do. It's a sprouted bread, so it's still wheat, but it's sprouted. So, like, is it better? Um, so there is a component. Uh, the lectin is called this wheat germ agglutinin. We can have sensitivities to this wheat germ agglutinin, which is not a gluten protein. Um, so what it does is it passes through the blood-brain barrier, attaches to the myelin sheath, inhibiting nerve growth factor, right? So you may not test positive for gluten antibodies, but you can have a, a sensitivity to this wheat germ agglutinin. 
So really important, and that's again, the stuff that we can test for that we wanna look at. So um, I tend to stay away from foods like uh, Ezekiel bread or sprouted breads. I don't, you know, I, they, I, they're trying to do the right thing, I assume, but it doesn't mean that it's the best thing, okay? Then there are opioids, which is kind of crazy and cool, but we have, um, this is not necessarily a sensitivity, but it's an immune response in the nervous system. So we have these opioid receptor sites, these morphine receptor sites, right? And so dairy, gluten, these things can impact these receptor sites. This is why we often go, you know, think to ourselves or we say out loud and some people scream it, I have to have my dairy or I have to have my bread or I have to have my pasta. It's because it's this impact on these opioid receptors, right? And so we can have um, gluteomorphin, proteomorphin, and what can happen with these is, is if, if this is an issue for us, it can actually create withdrawal symptoms. So we wanna be careful with that because withdrawal can be really ugly and can be painful and yucky. So I wanted to go through this list of hidden sources of gluten. This reminds me too, what I wish I had done before this is put together this list, you know, just sort of a, a giveaway um, for people to have because it's so tricky to know when you're looking at a box or a bag or whatever it is that you're looking at and you're trying to be, go gluten-free, um, when something says modified food starch, doesn't sound so bad, doesn't sound bad at all, but what is it? It's, it likely is a gluten product, right? Um, food emulsifiers, food stabilizers, artificial food coloring, which is problematic and potentially carcinogenic anyway. We don't want any of that stuff. Malt extract is in a lot of stuff dextrins, clarifying agents in some wine, condiments. Condiments are full of gluten. So many of them, especially if you're going to a regular grocery store uh, and buying off, you know, the regular whatever brand, it's, it, they likely are going to have gluten. So many of them do. Um, deli meats, again, a lot of them have gluten in them. It's, uh, you know, holds them together as well as your, you know, transglutaminase glue. It's just all weird stuff kind of disgusting. Beer, obviously. Um, getting to that though, we're doing some, I say we, the world, society, doing some really cool things with beer. There's a, a brewery close to me called uh, Ricoli that I'm super, I, I love. They have really great beer. It's beer brewed the normal natural way, but there's an enzyme that you can put in the beer that breaks down the gluten. Uh, there are also enzymes that we can take that help to break down the gluten. So if we accidentally eat gluten, right? Or maybe we wanna eat gluten and we don't wanna have a reaction or at least you know minimize the reaction, we can take enzymes that help to break that down so it's not as much of an intense reaction. You just gotta have it on you, right? But you know, uh, there are companies like Ricoli. There's also one called Holla Daily. Uh, they don't have any gluten containing grains, uh, but I love Ricoli. I think their beer is really, really good and it's called gluten reduced, right? But a lot of people who are dealing with celiac even have the ability to drink it because it's almost nothing. Um, but does it mean that if you have celiac just to go and drink a gluten reduced beer, you gotta know what you can handle, okay? So this is not telling you to go drink a bunch of beer. Um, soy sauce, I have a client uh, currently who was she was doing so well, right? We, she needed to do an elimination diet. She wanted to kind of work through these things. She wanted to know her body. Um, and she ate something and didn't realize it had soy sauce in it, and it did, and then she read it, and she was like, I must be sensitive to soy, and she had this horrible, brain foggy, tired, fatigued, horrible feeling. She was like, I haven't felt this way in months, because she was doing so flipping well. It was, it was so fun to watch her just develop. It was awesome. But I had to ask her, I was like, okay, so it was soy sauce, is it the soy or is it the gluten that's in the soy? Because soy sauce has gluten in it. So she was able to kind of, you know, fish it out a little bit and figure out what it was. It's not necessarily the soy, but it was the gluten in the soy. Uh, she's having really massive reactions to this stuff. And so remember that. Remember that when you're going to the, to the sushi restaurant, right? You can get tamari. Tamari, tamari is soy. It also tastes better. It's much richer, much more deep uh, depth of flavor as far as I'm concerned. Still soy, but it's fermented, so um, I don't mind tamari as long as it's organic, right? But soy sauce, soy sauce is just a no-go. It really is. 
Um, imitation crab meat. Who would have thought? I mean, for the love of Pete, the stuff that they have to do with food. And then shampoo. Shampoo can have gluten in it. So think about um, if you are sensitive or you have celiac disease, you gotta, it's awful that we've gotta look at our shampoo and make sure it doesn't have all of these ingredients in it, including gluten. So, uh, you know, it's, I guess it's just the thickener, it's the stabilizer, whatever it is, it's all of these things that, um, that you might be doing so well and you're not eating it and you know what your cross-reactive foods are and you don't eat those and you're still reacting. Why the hell are we reacting? Maybe it's your shampoo. So there's, there's, there's a lot to this. There really is. Um, but I think having, having this deep information about the, the potential problems with it um, is, is so important to helping us to, to understand, to create a healthy, healthy body. And then going back to, to creating health for generations. This is one of those lifestyle factors that will impact health for generations. So important to, re to remember and to recognize. And as long as we're in a place where we continue to screw with our food, we have to try to stay on top of it. It's not always easy, but it is on us as individuals to, to learn what we can, and that's why we have guides. That's why I have people who, who already know the information. Like, I have a bookkeeper, right? I can't stand to do my books. It makes me crazy and it's certainly not what I'm good at. So I have somebody who guides me and we meet on a regular basis and we talk about my numbers, we talk about the books um, because she's the expert, I am not. And if I have an issue, then I reach out to her. You know, same with my own health, my mental and emotional health. I reach out to, to my, my, was she a coach? She's not a therapist, but anyway, whatever she is, I, I reach out to her for those things because that's not my expertise, right? This is my expertise. So I'm here to be a resource. I'm here to give guidance. I'm here to give love. Sometimes it's tough love, <laughs> but to, to help through the hard stuff because it's not, it's not easy knowing all of this stuff. It's not easy keeping up with it. So find somebody who does keep up with it, who likes keeping up with it, who enjoys keeping up with it because you know, we're all nerds in our own way. We have things that we love and that's what we want to learn about. And so, um, you know, taking that and, and finding the people who can help you, building your team of people who are here to help guide you uh, in all of the different areas so you're able to do all of the things that you're here to do. I know I say that all, all the time, but that's, that's truly my, at least one of my whys, right? I have, I have big things to do. Um, and I, I want everybody who I'm surrounded by to be able to do all of the big things that they're intended to do, right? That's why we're put here. Um, and I think it's, it's really, really, really beautiful. So on that, um, I can't believe I got through, I think it's five or four, four pages of notes and uh, we're finishing right on time. That, that never happens, but um, anyway. Thank you for being here. Of course, you can find me at tastelifenutrition.com. You can always find us uh, here, streaming live at kuhsdenver.com, uh, where they have so many great shows. You really should uh, just check out KUHS Denver uh, as often as you can. The music is amazing. The shows they ha uh, they have here is amazing. Henry's pretty cool. He's back there listening to me. Um, but this is a this is a great place uh, with lots of really good messages to 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 bring to the world. Uh, we are global, so we hit uh, a pretty large group of people. So I don't have my numbers up right now, but I'm usually around 200,000 people and growing. So super cool stuff. So uh, check out KUHS Denver on more occasions than just this. Find me at Taste Life Nutrition on all of the social medias everywhere um, and let me know if you have questions if you have questions certainly about soulful conception which is my program that is preconception planning what is preconception planning it is taking care of us now optimizing now reducing symptoms now getting as healthy as possible now prior to the point of getting pregnant prior to conception because as I've said multiple times your health today will impact your pregnancy. It will impact, and this is for men and women, right? It's both, but it will impact that baby. It will impact delivery. 
it will impact that child as that child grows, as that child begins to also then start to create and procreate. Again, this is impactful for hundreds of years. The data shows seven generations. It's massive, it's magical, it's beautiful. It also holds us accountable. I'm accountable for, for myself and I'm accountable for my actions. And I hold on to that. And uh, we each are, right? We're each accountable to ourselves and our own actions. And so that's, that's it's a beautiful thing. It's not always easy, but it is a beautiful thing. So, all right, find us here again next week, 10 a.m. Mountain Standard Time on KUHSDenver.com. And then all of the other places, of course, this will be the podcast as well. So you'll find us, you can find us as a, as, as a you know, sort of the replay, YouTube, uh, Spotify, all the places. So, okay, I'll stop. Thank you again. We'll see y'all here in a week. Bye.